Imagine a world without waste. Imagine if you can make products and packaging right every time. It's possible with the help of SpecRite, the first cloud-based platform for specification data management. You can track and report on material usage year over year, run LCAs with the click of a button, and comply with new packaging regulations like EPR and the UK plastics tax. Go to specrite.com backslash sustainability to learn more. Hey, thanks, Laura. Everybody, please also go check out Spectrite's podcast, Beyond the Shelf with Laura Foti, F-O-T-I. It's a wonderful podcast, again, about packaging. There's so many cool content creators out there, and Laura is certainly one of them. Also, we'd love to have you come and check out the Specrite Packaging Specifications Summit in Austin, Texas, January of 2024. I will be there along with Corey Connors, host of Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors and Avelio Matos host of Packaging Unboxed podcast. Laura will be there. There There's so many folks who are there in the packaging industry. It is a tremendous, tremendous time and a great place. Again, all these links will be down in the show notes, including joining myself, Corey and Avelio, every single Monday morning on LinkedIn and on YouTube for Packaging Today. We break down the news, but we also have fun, tell jokes, Uh, We enjoy each other. It's a building and blossoming community there of packaging people. And everyone is a packaging person. Everyone is a packaging buyer. And everybody is welcome on the Packaging Today show. Again, click the link. You can get notified on it on LinkedIn or on YouTube. And the packaging community continues to grow with my next guest. Let's get right to the interview. Hey, everybody. This is exciting because I have another... That's my my DJ Khaled voice. Another one, uh, another repeat guest. Uh, for many of you may know um, who Erica Rankin is, probably from my podcast, obviously, because that's you know it's it's a really big deal. Um, but Erica has done a tremendous job of building, like we were talking about before the show, before the interview, like building in public, building online. There's this growing group of people, and it's been inspiring to me. It's helped me out a lot. So. Um, I appreciate you doing that. And I'm joined here by Erica Rankin. She is the founder of Brodo. Is that the best way of saying your title? Yeah, I would say like, I say founder and chief everything officer. That's kind of what I say. <laughs> I love it. Uh, if you were if you were a bagel at Brodo, you would be the everything bagel. So that's what, that's what you're saying. I love that. Yeah, for okay. sure. All right, perfect. Um, stupid question. I'm guessing there are bagels in Canada. Is this correct? Yeah, we have bagels here. Okay. <laughs> I just realized I was like, <laughs> I'm pretty positive that bagels are a thing. Um, but I, you know, the the time that I went to, so we did the interview, um, got connected with you. I actually got to take a trip, but we missed each other. So I was right in your neck of the woods. Like I was in Hamilton, that area, um, yeah. found some Brodo, ate it at the Niagara Falls. It was delicious. Um and there's there's such a cool CPG scene that's happening up there in 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 all of Canada, which is it turns out a pretty big country, but especially kind of in and around that Toronto area, is really neat. So now you're back, and 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 I want first of you first of all you're going to do a much better introduction than I just did of you. So introduce yourself, reintroduce yourself to uh, to the community, but then I want to talk about this journey that you've been on from even the time that I bought your product until now. Yeah, I'm so happy to be back. 
um, yeah, I'm excited for this conversation. It'll be good. So yeah, I'm Erica, the chief everything officer and founder of Brodo. We make functional protein snacks and we just recently launched our new and improved version of our functional cookie dough into the Canadian market. Um, it's being distributed across Canada as we speak. Um, so it's gluten-free, high in protein, clean ingredients, naturally sweetened, added protein, and we just do retail. We don't do D2C anymore. So that's our main channel. Got it. And you said it's, it's all across Canada. Yeah. Correct. How many times a week, given your social media presence, how many times a week do you get asked where can I buy this in the U S? Every day. Oh gosh. Yeah. I get emails. I get DMS. I get comments. I actually, just before this call, um, I was making TikToks answering this question because <laughs> people <laughs> left it on my TikTok. They're like, cry, cries in America. I'm like, yeah, I know. Um, but I'm working on a solution for that. So we are going to be launching shelf stable products direct to consumer in the new year. So I'm kind of just putting all the pieces together for that right now. So we do have a cookie club waitlist on our website, eatbrodo.com, if you want to sign up. So I'll just plug that there. <laughs> Hello, cookie club waitlist. Mm -hmm. I'm signing up. I'm signing up for that. Um, I We covered this the first time, but in case somebody does not want to go back and listen to our first interview, what was like, what was the inspiration behind Brodo? I mean, I, I remember we, we, we went through this, but I think it'd be a good refresher for me. Sure. So I guess in a nutshell, in 2018, after I graduated from um, university, I started working a nine to five job. I am a very goal oriented person. So I wanted something to work towards. So I started prepping for my first bodybuilding show. So I got really immersed into the fitness industry. And obviously I couldn't eat a lot of the things that I used to eat and had to cut out like all my sweets, every junk food. So I started manipulating recipes and experimenting with different things. And I made these like edible cookie dough protein bites for myself and I would share them on my Instagram. They got a lot of attention and people asked me if I would ever sell them. Never thought anything of it. You know, I never thought I could run a business or launch that into a business. So it kind of was just like on a shelf, like in the back of my mind, I think I never really put too much thought into it. And then I went backpacking through Southeast Asia, met entrepreneurs, came back home and thought, okay, I can't start a business. And then went back, you know, grabbed that idea off the shelf that was there and then decided to launch the product into the market later in 2019. And did you already have um, a, a, a social media following prior to launching it? Or was that built up it was a, or is it like a both and where you had, you had some people who were following you and you were able to help take that as like a catalyst to the product or have you been building because you have the brand and because you saw business opportunity? I think I had a really small community on my Instagram. I used to have a, an account called Erica foodie fitness, and I would just share my whole journey, like prepping for my show and my recipes and my fitness journey. Um, and I think I have like maybe 4,000 followers on there or something, but they were pretty engaged. Um, and then in terms of like my actual, I guess, social media following, all of that came after the business. Like I got on TikTok in 2021. I started posting on LinkedIn, I think late 2020, those kind of all came after Instagram. Got it. Okay. So, and that was after Brodo. So you, you got on yeah. TikTok, you got on LinkedIn because you were an entrepreneur and clearly really smart, right? Like you saw this opportunity to leverage 
social channels to help drive help drive revenue help being the the operative word there because i know you've had you're, you're very you know very genuine and authentic about just like hey here's here's a struggle that i'm going through it's not like you only put out the the good side of entrepreneurship um, and i think that's been encouraging and inspiring for a lot of folks yeah thank you um and before i get to your journey this was a weird collision point and we were talking about this before the show but you've recently like collided with a bunch of my like friends in salt lake city uh and and you know you've met you met lindsey ivy you met levi lindsey which would be a great like wheel of fortune like before and after like levi lindsey ivy i don't know if that's a it's a interesting cut into american <laughs> game show <laughs> game shows i was once actually i won an opportunity to be on the wheel of fortune with my mom and for mom and me week but i didn't check my email in time <laughs> And it was in my oh, no. she was so mad she was so, sorry mom my mom listens to my podcast so sorry mom again for reopening that wound um but you got to meet all these people here in in utah and so tell just give me a little bit about that experience it, you went to disneyland with a bunch of people from utah yeah so linkedin has brought me so many opportunities uh lindsay and i had never spoken to her before she slid in my dms and said something along the lines of hey you're really cool want to come to disneyland and i replied i'm poor i can't <laughs> and, then, and then she says no like come with us and like uh, there's a group of us going we're all founders so um she extended the invite and then i had a conference in um st louis so i flew from there to Disneyland and I met up with, you know, all these Utah entrepreneurs. And I think there was a huge group of us and maybe like three or four of us were not from Utah and I was the only Canadian, but yeah, you guys are cool people. <laughs> we're not bad. We're not bad. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's super cool. And and I had a similar experience though. It didn't involve Disneyland. Thanks, John and Lindsay Ivy. Uh, but just when I came here, I met them uh, through this organization called 1 million cups and they have been just instrumental in helping me get to know people in the community so um super cool that we had that in common it was it's just it was so strange to see uh you know you from like the cpg canadian you know kind of like social influencer world into like my personal network i was like oh this is kind of it, it was kind of a cool little cool little collision and you know if you if you do want to come to Utah, it's a pretty great place to visit and live at any point in the year. So I'll uh, yeah. do the, I'll do my part for the Utah Department of Tourism or whatever that is. Um, okay, so speaking of tourism, I'm sitting there, I've got your cup, I've got a spoon, and I'm at Niagara Falls on the Canadian side. Down, I went down the elevator um, and walked out onto the the whatever it was, just drenched in water uh eating some eating some delicious brodo but i have i've got this cup and now that cup there's been a journey from that cup to what you currently have and i would love for you to walk us through that journey all right let me just jump in here real quickly because this is super exciting uh my wife and i and our kids came out with this book, Packaging Peaks in the Sticky Situation. It took us a couple of years to write. We spent a lot of time in illustrating and all that. It's finally out. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at mascotbooks.com. There's a link down in the show notes that you can click. We wrote it because I was trying to describe to my kids 
you know, what it's like. And there's all these children's books out there about various different industries and about various different jobs. We wanted people in our industry to have a book to be able to relate to their kids with. So go pick it up. Please, it would mean so much to support us. Packaging Peaks in the Sticky Situation on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Let's get back into this interview. It's been a journey. And I remember you making a video with that, which I appreciated so much. You, you know, yeah, digging some bro dough on the corner of like Niagara Falls, you know? Yeah, it felt very <laughs> yeah. appropriate. I was like, I don't Epic. know where else I'm going to do so this. So Canadian, so yeah. Canadian, yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Um, yeah, so I guess I launched the tubs or, you know, like they're, gosh, like tamper evident, snap lid, six ounce tubs. Um, they were D to C for the first little while. And, you know, like the tub formatting, it really did work online. And, you know, while it was like an operational nightmare, like I just couldn't scale with the tubs. So yeah, on the operation side of things, everything was done manually. Like my manufacturer had to like grab the dough pucks and put them in by hand and put the lids on by hand. So even if production size increased, my tolling cost wouldn't decrease because it was just the same amount of labor. Um, so that was like one piece with the tubs that just made it extremely difficult. And then uh, when I started doing demos in stores and I was getting feedback from customers, I just found that the tubs just weren't working at all for so many other reasons on the consumer side. They were too big. A lot of my customers are health conscious, so they would prefer single serve portion control. They don't want to buy a whole tub. And they, when they realize that there's like 900 calories in a tub, they freak out and then they put it back. <laughs> and they, they look at the calories. They're like, oh, it's 120 calories for the whole thing. No, that's for one sixth of it, right? Um, so that was an issue. The price point was too high on shelf. Um, it was just really hard for people to eat too on the go like you need a spoon you can't just go in with your fingers and dig it right like then a mom messaged me and she told me like my kids love it but it's really hard because I drive home from the grocery store and they're like mommy we want to eat our brodo and she's like wait till you get home we all have a spoon so that was another problem that we ran into and and then the other thing was like retailers I would kind of argue with them as to where they should merchandise our product a lot of them wanted to put us in the cookie dough set next to the other cookie doughs that are in tubs Whereas I wanted to be in the natural set next to like the healthier, better for you products, but they didn't see my product fitting in there. So I decided to scrap that and completely pivot the business and launch single serve. They almost look like bars, but they have three balls in them and they're like cookie dough bites and they're just kind of grab and go. They're more affordable. They're in flow wrappers. They have like a U card that the balls sit on. And um, then they come in like a retail ready case in shelf that goes in the fridge. So still refrigerated product, but just way easier, way easier to scale and was just way better for the consumer. Yeah. And was that even like if we go back to the operation side, because I, I, I really resonate with what you said about like, it didn't even really matter. Like you could, you could, you could try to scale, but you're just going to have to scale up, you know, temp labor or something like that. Like, um, has this then enabled you to scale up and meet demand for production? Yeah, there's like a clear path as to, you know, like at what volume do I need to get to for the cost to drop? Right. Whereas before it was like, we don't really know because it's the same amount of work, whether we're doing 10,000 or 50,000 tubs, same amount of labor. Whereas this is like on a machine and it's automated line and they pump the dough in and then it goes out and like they spit out these balls and then it goes through the flow wrap machine and it's just very quick and efficient. And 
they they do this day and night and they know that machine like the back of their hand so it's more familiar costing is way better and then also the minimums for the packaging are significantly less than the plastic tamper evident containers those honest to god the tears i've cried over those tubs I could like have my own lake, my Brodo Lake, honestly. The Brodo Lake of packaging tears. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Do you know how many hours I spent on Alibaba messaging manufacturers all over China and getting my I was swimming in sample tubs. They were all over my condo. Every nook and cranny. I'd have people over and they'd look at them and say, What are those? <laughs> like... Oh my gosh. Uh, by the way, there, yeah. there's an interesting story. There's a uh a guy that um, I host like a Monday morning, every Monday morning on LinkedIn, a packaging news show. We just talk about like the packaging industry and what's going on. Um, and there's a guy who listens and he told us he has been saving every every plastic item that he's used this whole year. And he's got a room full of j just to like show how much plastic is consumed. He hasn't recycled it. He hasn't sent it to the landfill. It is, it's, it's pretty insane. So um, I understand. I mean, my office right over here on the other side of this is, it looks like a giant mess of trash. And my, my poor family doesn't ever know. They ask me all the time, it, can I throw this away or is this for work? I'm like, no, I'm doing an unboxing video <laughs> of that. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why did you order these, this product? And I'm going to take a look. I'm going to analyze the package. Content. It's just content. <laughs> just more and more content. Uh, so I, I get that. Um, so is that like, I've heard it said that the, the two happiest days, if you are, if you are a boat owner are the day you buy a boat and the day you sell your boat, was it kind of like the two happiest days as a former user of tamper evident tub packaging? Um, the, the day you found out one that would work and then the, the day you no longer had to buy them again. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Honestly, so I, I found the tubs after searching long and wide and I, I found these tubs. The other thing is too, like they, I couldn't order um, the IML tubs, right? The Inmold label, because the minimum was like 100,000. It's insane. Crazy. So I had to get labels put on them. So I ordered 20,000 with labels instead of 100,000 printed, right? And they were manually labeled these 20,000 containers. So the cost per unit was like over a buck a unit, which is astronomical. But you know, me thinking, okay, this will be a temporary solution. The next run will be 100,000 containers. It'll be easy. But I was still nowhere near that in terms of from volume perspective. Um, but yeah, when I, when I realized, hey, the tubs, they're no more. And also too, I had so many conversations with my manufacturer trying to find a solution for this, right? I was like, what about stand-up pouches? And what about you know, um, what if we, instead of having a tamper evidence snap lid, like have like a shrink wrap band, because I would find different containers that I could use that would be printed like ice cream tubs, but they didn't have the tamper evident lid. So, and then they didn't have the shrink wrap band capabilities. So I was like trying to piece everything together and I would think I'd find a solution and then I'd go and bring it to her and she'd be like, no, sorry, Erica. And then I'd go, you know, with my tail in between my legs and try to find another solution. It was really hard. Oh <laughs> man, that is yeah. rough. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad that you really, you, you found a solution and you're excited about the, the, the design. Who's the, uh, who does your, the graphics? Yeah. So I work with a local company, they're based out of Ottawa and their company name is Green Melon. So I've been working with them since 2021, I believe. So they did, you know, the brand refresh with the tubs and then 
you know, I went to them and I told them, hey guys, we're no longer doing the tub. So we need to completely pivot and change everything. And they were really good to work with. So they worked with me on this, these new packaging designs for the boxes and the flow wrappers. It looks awesome. Um, I, I saw the pictures on LinkedIn and I thought this, they did a really good job. So I wanted to make sure that we gave them a, gave them a shout out as well, because I think that yeah, packaging design seems easy, graphic design especially seems easy until you realize you're you're printing onto a three-dimensional object and you often are laying it out on a two-dimensional plane. And so mm -hmm. finding people who know how to navigate that is not as easy as most people think. So um, kudos to you for for finding finding the right uh, finding the right person there. Um, so I've asked I asked you this at the end of the last one and I'll I'll ask you it again. So you've You've gone through this transformation now, um, and and I'm excited for when you when I when I see your TikTok video and you answer, uh, you answer when when we'll be able to get them in the, in the U.S. Especially in Utah, because Utahns love outdoorsy, healthy stuff, but they also there's more like ice cream shops here per capita than I gotta guess anywhere else in the country. Like, oh wow! Utahns love themselves some sweets, um, so. So you, you've gotten to this point, is there like, what are the things as a, as a CPG owner, you're talking to a group of 500 packaging nerds. Cause somebody who's listening to this clearly loves packaging, right? Like this isn't something you just stumble upon. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. is there any advice for, you know, especially like younger people who are getting into the packaging industry, whether it's design or manufacturing or sales um, that you would that you might have for them. I, I think about the post that you had about like buying for need versus buying for, you know, buying at price per thousand. Like that was a really informative post that I think helped a lot of people. Are there things like that, that you can even speak to that post if you want to, but just stuff like that, that you would want to share with the community. Yeah, I think so speaking from a small brand's perspective, it's really, really hard finding packaging that works for my product and also the MOQs are startup friendly. That's a huge problem that I was facing. Like that post I put out, um, you know, I had the opportunity to either buy a hundred thousand containers, like the IML ones for a lower price point, or I buy 20,000 at like double the price, right. And they're hand stuck labels. And I was teetering in between. Cause I did have, I got a loan. I had this cash and I was like, okay, I'm going to use a percentage of this for packaging. I have to figure out what the move is. And as a, as a new founder, you don't really know, right? And I think also when I was going to a lot of different brokers, they were trying to sell me way more than I needed because they were, you know, defending saying, oh, but your cost per unit is significantly less. You know, it's going to work out to be X amount for your margins. It just makes more sense for you. But realistically, it takes a long time, especially if you're distributing like through retail and you're scaling a little bit slower and you maybe don't have a ton of capital to scale quicker. Like that's like very slow incremental, you know, growth. It's not overnight, bam, you get a hundred thousand units out into the market. And then you're like, okay, now my next run's 200,000. It takes a long time. Also, there are so many things that happen like within the market as you're testing stuff, you might need to make packaging changes. Maybe you need to change your formula or, you know, you screw up your UPC or something is like wrong there that you need to fix. It's really hard to do that if you're sitting on like 80,000 containers, right? So. I ended up ordering 20,000 instead of the 100,000, which was 
so smart on my part because I still threw out like 3000 tubs. I still had like 3000 extra ones. Um, I had to change a skew. Like I had a skew called pinata party because I was trying to be creative and it really backfired. People were calling it pirate party. People were asking if it was spicy, if it was like Spanish or Mexican. And there was just like this big confusion with that skew. So I got rid of it. I discontinued it. And that was the most containers that I threw out from that skew. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of startup founders um, get pitched more than they need. Yep. And they're, they they run into this like, oh, what should I do? What should I do? Should I like order less or should I order more? And, you know, like I was kind of blind to it all. I had to go to a lot of people and ask for advice. And I'm really glad that I got the advice that I did because it ended up working out for me. Yep, no doubt. I think that's, it's, it's absolutely critical. And I actually ran, I mean, I'm in the packaging industry, right? Uh, but I was helping my son. He had this idea for a product and we, we made it, right? So we made Weenus Lube and it's lotion for dry elbow skin. And when I was, because uh, that's your, that's your Weenus. Um, and so I've never really been on the other side as like a quote, small business owner. But I remember I was talking to the contract manufacturer and they're like, well, here's all your price points and you need to be at X price point in order to, you know, hit certain D to C margins on Amazon and all this. And they're going through everything. And I'm like, this money comes out of my checking account. Like I yeah. have to buy this. And so price per unit is not as important to me as how much money will I lose if we don't succeed? <laughs> That's actually yeah. a much more important thing. And so I ended up buying it at about the cost that were that the market will bear for it. Like we don't quote make any money on it, but I'm like, but I also know that I'm not out a lot. Like I'm, my risk profile is a lot less and I had to use stock packaging and I had to put labels on it because I couldn't afford the IML tubes. Um, I had to do, mm -hmm. a, I had to do a label on it. And, and I know all of this, I know what all the costs are because I've been in this industry for 15 years. And I was faced with the exact same decision. I was like, nope, we're going to buy what we need. And I'm going to challenge him to sell 740 tubes. I'm not buying 5,000 or 10,000 or whatever it is. Because you're going you're gonna to learn a lesson either way. And I would rather learn it inexpensively, as inexpensively mm -hmm. as I possibly could. Um, so it's a, it's a decision point that I don't think a lot because people in the packaging industry have been trained like volume, volume, volume drives down price. And, and there's a lot of downward price pressure on our industry that sometimes we forget that that's not the case for everybody. And it's certainly, you made the right decision, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, that's tremendous advice. I appreciate it. Um, excited to be able to try some here in the U S but for all of my uh, Canadian listeners, um, how do they go about finding Broda? I looked around for Broda. What was the, there was a supermarket that I ended up going to in Hamilton. I cannot remember its name. It was like a healthy planet. Was it healthy no. planet? Fortino's? That was it. It was like, a, I was like, okay. it was like an Italian name. Um, and I asked them and they were like, huh? And I said, this is what it is. And they said, if we have it, it's going to be over there. And they had it. And I was like, praise Jesus. Okay. Um, it, it was your, it was Brodo and midday squares. I was like, and I have to eat some poutine. I've got those three things that I have yeah. to do while I'm in, while I'm in Canada. Um, but how, it, how, how else would people get a hold of your product and then how can they follow you? 
Yeah, so we're launching into stores. Literally, the PO is being picked up this Friday, and we're going to be launching out west, but we're in Ontario right now. And if anyone's in Ontario who listens to this, we're in Fortino's, Healthy Planet, Sobeys, we're launching into Goodness Me, Nature's Emporium. Um, yeah, like growing a lot in Ontario and then launching out west. And then eBrodo is our handle on all social platforms, and Eric Rankin on LinkedIn. I'm always on there, always posting on there. It's my favorite platform, as you know. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, eBrodo is our website, eBrodo.com. Um, and we're building out that cookie club waitlist. And then we're launching brand new products in the new year direct to consumer. Um, it's not going to be refrigerated cookie dough, it's going to be other things, but it'll still be delicious, still be Brodo. And yeah. I love it. It'll be good. Erica, thank you so much for uh, your time for the second time. It's great. Thanks for sharing your story. Uh, thanks for continuing to share your story. Um, thanks for hanging out with Utah people in Disneyland. Um, thanks yeah. for all of it. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on here. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Hey, congrats. You made it to the end of the podcast. If you're looking for more great podcast material in the packaging industry, please check out Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors and the newly redesigned Package Unboxed with Avelio Matos. Go find them wherever you listened to this podcast. Thanks, everybody.